Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring John Martellero of the Mac Observer. You'll also hear from Rob Pegarero, who hangs his hat at Yahoo Tech and also USA Today. It's going to be a spectacular episode, neighbors. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. John, welcome back. Nice to be back. Post-holidays. And you've got an interesting article here at the Mac Observer, and I bet the comments have been amazing. And the subject is here, for a big company, Apple lets too much fall through the cracks. All right. So what are they letting fall through the cracks? What's Apple doing to screw up here? I gather that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Well, it all started when I read my colleague's article at Tech Review, Jim Tannis. Uh, He used to work with us at the Mac Observer. Now he's the uh, editor-in-chief of Tech Review, and he put an, a Mac Mini through its paces, and he was uh, very turned off, is the word, I guess, by the development of the Mac Mini. It took, we waited 723 days, he wrote, and there's no, and he says, quote, there's no fundamental changes to the product that justify that delay. Why did it take so long to produce an arguably mediocre product? Let's um, go into this in detail, because it's interesting here. Okay, so the nice thing about the new Mac Mini is it's $100 less. That's a nice thing. But it's really for people who don't want to max out performance because they no longer have quad-core processors for that. They've only got the dual-core. That's right. number one. It's the big thing. It's one of the big things because obviously the basic models were still dual-core, so it didn't matter. It's only when you want to get something that's a little bit faster and do work that does tax multiple cores. That's where you run into this. The second thing, though, is the real deal breaker. That's part of a deal breaker. RAM upgrades, and Apple's moving in this direction all over the place, are soldered onto the logic board, meaning, you know, you can't remove the RAM. If you want more RAM, when you buy the product, you've got to buy it configured the way you want. If you want to buy less expensive RAM from, say, other world computing and put it in yourself, pay less, can't do it. In fact, that's what I did with this aging iMac, uh, 2009 iMac. I went from 8 gigabytes to 16, courtesy of Otherworld Computing and Larry O'Connor. Mm-hmm. And I did see a noticeable performance improvement. I didn't expect to see it. Well, what, what operating system were you using? This was Yosemite. Oh, okay. Well, you know, for years, I thought 8 was enough back in 2011, 12. But you were just watching that TV show 13. <laughs> but uh, 2013 rolls around, and I realized that 16 gig was the default base for a, for a Mac. So I'm not surprised. So, okay, let's talk about this further here. So what Apple has done here with the Mac Mini is, in part, meet customer demand for a brand new model, but do it in the cheapest way possible. And I have more speculation about that in a moment. But did they feel the pressure to take $100 out of the purchase price and do what was necessary to take it there? It doesn't seem to sync with me with Tim Cook's uh, often 
spoken comment about how Apple only does the best of everything and, and to back off in, in such a fashion with the performance. My, my understanding is the graphics processor is better. Of course, it's newer, but uh, the uh, CPU performance is not. To build a machine after 723 day delay that doesn't make us go, wow, this is cool. This is warmly received. This is a, a, a nice upgrade. I don't know if it was Jim Tannis or somebody else who said, you know, every time Apple comes out with a new Mac, Phil Schiller goes up on stage and says, this is the best and the fastest Mac we've ever built. Well, not here. So he's kind of a letdown. That was the first article that, uh, t- that got me going. And then I saw another article about Apple advertising from Ken Segal, uh, who used to be uh, involved with Apple and marketing. And he's a, he's a marketing guru expert, and he's written books, and everybody knows him. And he's not terribly impressed with the Apple TV ads. He says they're resoundingly okay. From Apple, okay is not okay. And then there was my own research. Uh, for a new display, because I just have a fairly old HD display, 1920 by 1080, and it really doesn't have enough pixels on the screen for my workflow. So I've been looking for a WQHD monitor, you know, 2560 by 1440. And I looked at the Apple monitor, and it's really old. It derives back from the LED cinema display, 27 inch from July 2010. It's presumably the partner of the new Mac Pros. But it has FireWire 800 ports on the back and USB 2 ports, and it's obnoxiously thick, and it's obnoxiously expensive, and it's a IPS Gen 1 panel. And the official Apple picture from their archive of products shows Lion on the display. I'm thinking if Apple's going to build the very best of everything, and they're going to come out with this awesome Mac Pro, shouldn't there have been a display update? an awesome display to partner. I mean, using this Thunderbolt display on a Mac Pro is is sort of like putting a a cassette music player in your Lamborghini. It just doesn't make sense. So I started cataloging these things and putting it all together. And then, of course, there's the old business about Apple upsetting the Final Cut Pro crowd and and upsetting scientists. Apple.com slash science is gone. It's been gone for a long time. So I started putting a picture together that there's some things that Apple doesn't seem to be worried about. And I had a little birdie on my shoulder suggest that the product team is uh, overworked. Um, They may not have the kind of supervision and resources and direction that they'd like to get. Because as we know, when Apple gets on a bandwagon and right now it's iPhone mania and that's the bulldozer at Apple. And if you're not on the iPhone bandwagon at Apple, then, then, you know, you're nobody. So um, it's hard for vice presidents and directors and product managers to get bandwidth and motivation and money and direction to come out with really, really good products. People tend to get pulled off on things or told this isn't a priority. And when that happens, we feel it out here in a customer base. We see a Mac mini that's a a yawner. Uh, We waited two years for almost. We we see a, a, a Thunderbolt display that's basically four years old plus and, and we and we wonder well is apple going to replace it should i buy one now no it's a thousand dollars i could do much better with hewlett packard uh is apple going to get out of the display business altogether but wait there's the 5k imac maybe they'll come out with a 5k display for your mac pro so you, we 
we're kind of frozen. You know, we don't know what to do. We don't know where Apple's going. They're not updating their products. And so that was the gist of the article. And there's too many headaches. Too many headaches floating around. Headaches with, you know, iOS updates and headaches with iCloud syncing not working and headaches with features ripped out of iWork, you know, while they reconstruct it and rebuild it so that it works the same. And then file incompatibilities on every release of iWork. So you have to update your file format in it. Just the list just goes on and on. And it's, it's beginning to get a little annoying. As great as Apple is and as great as their products are and as much as I love my iPhone and as much as I've been writing about Apple Pay and how awesome Apple Pay is and how awesome the Mac Pros are and the IMAX 5Ks and Bob Levitas loves it, they're doing a lot of things right, but they're doing a lot of things wrong and they're dropping through the crack. Let's go into some more of these items in more detail. Like, for example, a 5K display. Now, the 5K display is here. It's the case of the iMac 5K. You've got a 5K display in there. If you remove the computer and just put in the components for the interfaces and the various hardware that relates to that, how much would Apple sell that for without the computer, basically? And does that involve a lot of development energy? I mean, they've already put in the energy for the display and all the hardware. Interesting question. Let's see where that goes. Our guest, John Martellero, he's from the Mac Observer. Go to MacObserver.com. And we're looking at what Apple is doing wrong? I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today, December 1st, 2014, gold opened at 1195.40. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1239.50, 61975 for a half ounce, or 30988 for a quarter ounce. That's 1239.50, 61975, and 30988. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. 
General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows. You can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. The knowledge of the ancients. Tried and true trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. He has my question there. Apple has already built a 5K display, which fronts a 27-inch iMac. So without the computer, just the stuff needed to run the display. How long could it take them to build something like that? Well, the question is even should they do it? I've been talking to Bob Levitas a lot about that because, as I mentioned in the previous segment, I'm looking for a, a bigger display myself. And I was wrestling with the idea of, uh, you know, buying a 4K display for my Mac Pro. Uh, it would probably be a TN instead of an IPS display, but that's okay. Our listeners are going to look at you and their eyes are going to oh, glaze okay. over. Talk <laughs> uh, about the technologies. Several different kinds of LED backlit LCD displays. Uh, the older one is uh, the Twisted Pneumatic, the TN. And uh, it's fast. But it can, it's not good off axis and it has some uh, ghosting as a result. The next generation was uh, IPS in plain switching. And then Samsung has their PLS, which is kind of a variant of that. And those are very nice for color and for photography and, and video because they're very color accurate and very, very much oriented towards graphics. And then there's the, what's I think it's called the VA or MVA display, which is slightly slower, but more contrast and is designed really for writing and uh, business use and spreadsheets and word processing and stuff like that. 
So I think most people are familiar with IPS displays because that's what Apple uses. And they have great color uh, gamut and, and they're, they're very good displays. But as I said before, that, that the Apple display and then the Thunderbolt display is, is IPS first generation because it's four years old. So the question is, back to where we were, should one buy an inexpensive, cheap 4K display, which can be had for under $1,000 in a 27-inch or 30-inch format? But what happens is, is that the menus at the top become minuscule, and what used to be pleasantly viewable icons now become almost pixel in size because you have so many pixels on a 4K or 5K display. and. Bob's consensus was that if you need to do 4K video editing, if you're a, your movie studio or TV studio, yeah, you'll want to run Adobe Premiere or Final Cut in that mode. But for everyday use, for a pleasant 27-inch monitor that has lots of pixels and more room than, than a WQHD display, that's 2560 by 1440, or its brother 2560 by 1600 is a much better choice. And there's some issues with connecting a 4K display to a Mac Pro as well. There's only a few that Apple recommends, and they're in the $3,000 range. So if you could find a 4K display to connect to your Mac Pro for under $1,000, it may not work or may not work the way you want. So um, I would be happy if Apple would update the official Thunderbolt display, 27-inch, with just a WQHD display, put USB 3 ports on the back, get rid of the FireWire 800, uh, make it thin and svelte and beautiful and thin like the uh, regular iMac, which already has the computer inside, and, uh, and then let the 4K situation sort itself out. That's, that's one element of it. The other element of it is, is that um, and we'll talk about this later, is, is that the iMac with the 5K display could be very useful for professionals doing editing to create content down the road for any Apple TV project. But that's something else, and we'll talk about that later. Right now, I would just be happy with a, a, a next-generation Thunderbolt 2 display uh, for, say, $799, second-generation IPS display, USB 3, and pretty thin. I'd be happy with that, but we're not going to get that as far as I know. Well, if Apple could deliver a real 5K display in a case based on the current iMac design, obviously thinner in back, doesn't get fat in the middle back there because you don't have all the components, really right. snazzy display and sell it for like $17.99 or something, you know, that would blow a hole into the market because there's nothing 5K for that price. Yeah, but how many Macs? Uh, would be able to use it. You know, the um, current uh, 5K iMac cannot be used in uh, Thunderbolt display mode. You can't use it as a monitor for, say, your MacBook Air because it puts too great a demand on the uh, GPU. My wife's upstairs, uh, and she's got a MacBook Air connected to her 27-inch iMac from 2010, and it uses uh, Thunderbolt display mode very nicely. And She switches back and forth between native and using it as a big monitor for her MacBook Air. So, so what, 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 what would a 5K display be used with? But, but the only machine that could drive it would be the Mac Pro. And not too many people have that. Um, so it would, be a, it would be a niche product for video professionals. 
And I'd like to see more of a mass market display that was, you know, the standard definition, 2560 by 1440. That's just my preference. I think they'd sell more of those. In terms of volume, and maybe just make the 5K model a limited production model, since obviously they've already got a lot of the hardware going into production for the full iMac. Heaven forbid they might sell more than one monitor. You mean we might actually have a choice? Apple might sell two or three different monitors? Perish the thought. We have two iPhones. Yes. How about that? So, um, gee, it's kind of crazy that we only have one monitor to choose from. And it makes you wonder whether Apple is even interested in being in that business. We were talking in the Mac Observer staff this morning about that. Should Apple build a first-class monitor for its Mac Pro? Maybe, you know, similar in design, all black and everything. And it would also work uh, with the uh, Mac Mini. Um, or is the thinking that if you do buy a Mac Pro, you're such a technical perfectionist and professional, you're willing to spend so much money that you're going to go out and spend a lot more money on a specialized monitor. You're going to buy a, you know, say a uh, NEC first class uh, color calibrated you know, huge display for $4,000 that you're going to be using for movie production. Should Apple just say, okay, here's a beautiful black cylinder, but gee, if you want to monitor for it, go off and buy your own. Or should they say, no, we're going to at least have one monitor that's an awesome partner for it. Don't know. Yeah, they could go either way. As I said, they have the hardware. It seems only a matter of how to package it which can't involve a lot of development costs. Obviously, they spent a dollar and a half to develop the new Mac Mini in terms of development costs. It couldn't have been very much to come out with that box. And, <laughs> well, okay. a dollar and a half. Hey, Gene, by the way, if a chicken and a half can lay an egg and a half in a day and a half, how many eggs will four chickens lay in six days? <laughs> well, maybe Apple's laying an egg. With this sort of product, you have to think about it. Is Apple laying an egg, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Anyway, we have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. And neighbors, don't forget our premium package at plus.technighthow.com. Go to plus.technighthow.com. It includes, for a modest subscription fee, an ad-free version of the Tech Night Owl Live. Go to plus.technighthow.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <laughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA 4-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com, we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original $99 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, and other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non-GMO, MSG-free, and vegetarian. Most are gluten, soy, and nut-free. Call 541-229-0010 today. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low, cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in Oregon. Remember, only $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com. Call 541-229-0010. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 541-229-0010. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We're talking about what Apple is doing wrong, the things they're overlooking. Maybe they're just coming out with too many products and people say, Interesting question. We're not going to get into that solution right now. Let's move on to some other topics here, okay? So, let's talk about Apple Pay. That's one of my favorite subjects. Okay, now to start with Apple Pay, let's point out the fact that we heard about that rival method that's coming out next year, and now you don't hear about it so much anymore. Yeah, it's kind of dropped off the radar. Right. So, just like how many articles do you read in 
the media, mainstream media, financial media, about the fact that Samsung is having so many problems keeping up sales and profits. We don't hear about that anymore. If it was Apple, we'd hear about it. So, okay, let's talk about Apple Pay. I gather you've used it. I have many times. I haven't used it online yet, but I've used it at Macy's, and I've used it in the Apple Store to buy cables and things, and I've used it at uh, Panera Bread. So um, I've probably used it a dozen times at different stores since it came out. And every time I use it, except in the Apple Store, the merchant is amazed. I was in Macy's uh, at the mall over the weekend, and and the woman said, wow, that's so cool. You're the first person I've seen do that. And of course, it comes up on her register, like the credit card, as marked as paid, and it starts to print out the sales receipt. So, you know, she knows that I have actually done a paid transaction because she sees it on her register as paid, and it starts to print out the receipt. So they look at that, and they go, wow, that's amazing. It's so I wrote an article a couple days ago about why shopping with Apple Pay feels so good. And basically, it's about the psychology of Apple Pay and how you feel using it compared to how you feel using a credit card and, and, and some of the, the built-in coolness of it that I'm sure Apple thought about when they were designing the user experience. So the, the, the first one is, is that there's, there's that mentality of, uh, you know, using your credit cards too much. Every year we hear about people who go deeper in debt and they, they spend too much money at Christmas. And so you would think that if it's that easy to pay with Apple Pay, people would even go, you know, hog wild and, and end up going even more into debt because it's so simple and easy to do. I don't think that's true. I, I think that just because it's mindlessly easy doesn't mean that you're going to go crazy with spending. You, in my credit card case, I get to see a list of my expenditures, so I know where I've been and how much I've spent. A credit card can't show you your running charges. A credit card also has a, a sort of a fear factor where, you know, we're, we're worried about our, our credit card information being breached. The merchant may not handle it securely. Target, Home Depot, Kmart, Michaels, the list goes on and all had breaches like that. So rather than swiping the magnetic strip on your card and worrying about the credit card number and all that stuff and your pin being stolen, you're pretty sure that this is a highly encrypted, highly secure system from Apple, a company that specializes in privacy and and uh, security. And so it takes some of the fear factor out of it. Uh, the very device you're using to buy shows you your running charges, at least at places that, that take it. And so you have a feel for how much you're spending. Your spirits are lifted a little bit because you can focus on the joy of buying gifts during the holiday season instead of worrying about whether you're going to get you're getting it slammed and there's going to be a breach and something like that. So for once, we don't feel exploited by Apple. You know, they've come out and said, we don't have any interest in knowing what you bought. The transactions between you and the bank and uh, the merchant doesn't have to see your credit card number. And so you start sit back and you size up the technology and you go, wow, for once, I don't feel exploited. I, for once, I, I, I'm being offered a service that has a pleasant experience. It's secure. And there's no backdoor. There's no hidden agenda from Apple. You know, we're going to use this technology to spy on your buying habits. And then we're going to email you ads. Not happening. So. It's not just a question of feeling geek cool. It's, it's, it's a question of how Apple's designed the user experience to help you better manage your finances, 
feel more secure and uh, not feel uh, like you don't can't trust the the company you're dealing with. So there, there's some little elements to the psychology that Apple's built into this that make it fun and joyful, and that's why everybody's talking about Apple Pay and everybody's using it, and it's crazy good. And, and popular, and that's why nobody's hearing anything about currency. Current who? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, the only limitation I see with Apple Pay, and I can't use it, is that none of the banks I do business with, and let's not go into the reasons why I use those banks, but none of the banks I do business with as yet supports Apple Pay. I'm kind of hoping they will. Not even an American Express card? Me? Who, you? Me? <laughs> That's the American Express, I think, is has done a really good job with Apple Pay. Well, all right. I'll assume that eventually one of the banks I deal with, I deal with one large bank that I will not mention because we don't want anybody looking for my account. Mm-hmm. But that particular large bank, I expect they're going to have Apple Pay. So as far as you're seeing, Apple Pay seems to be a success, but it also is encouraging people to use other systems if they don't have an iPhone which is very interesting. They're seeing more activity on Google Wallet. I don't know how safe Google Wallet is. I've never used Google Wallet. I have no plan on using Google Wallet. But in terms of bringing up the industry, Apple has done well. The question, of course, is will these other companies be careful about security? I think, wasn't someone from Google quoted as saying that security in Android doesn't matter? (laughs) Well, when you hear that, uh, you know where they're coming from. They're trying to put a good face on it. Now, just a corollary with Apple Pay is the Apple Pay dining experience. So where did you eat? Ah, yes. Well, for all you open table fans, um, I wrote an article about how Apple Pay is going to work with open table. You know, right now, um, you, you go to the payment terminal, say it's a department, department store um, or at uh, Panera Bread or um, at the Disney store. Oh, yeah, we bought a copy of Frozen at the Disney store and I paid with Apple Pay. And Instead of merch- cold cash, you gave them a hot <laughs> yeah. Apple Pay transaction. Yeah, and the, the girl lit up. She, she enjoyed seeing that. Um, so you have to use the terminal. But what about a restaurant? A nice sit-down restaurant, you know, a really nice one, Uh, you know, Ruth Chris's Steakhouse or, you know, a really nice place where they bring you a black book and you, you know, sign a receipt at the table. Well, the way that's going to work, hopefully at a lot of places, is those restaurants that support open table can sign up for Apple Pay support. And the way open table works is, is that you make your reservation and through open table, you walk into the restaurant, you identify yourself, they say, oh, that's you. Okay, you, we know you might pay with Apple Pay, right? So you're sitting at your table and the, the terminal uh, starts transmitting to you the, the charges. So when the server punches in, you know, the steak and baked potato dinner, and then you see, you know, thirty four ninety five, and then you, that's one of those more expensive steakhouses, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, I'm just making an example here. And uh, so you see a running total. And then when you're ready to to finish, you look at your iPhone, you say, okay, here's the total bill. And then you press a little button for the, for the tip, you know, 15, 18, 20%. You touch one of those buttons, it adds the tip. And then when you're ready to pay, you just say, okay, I'm done. 
And it says, all right, pay now with Apple Pay. And you touch your finger to the touch ID and you're paid. And it lights up on the uh, hostess and the uh, server's computers so they can see that you're paid in full. So there's no question about you getting up and walking out of the restaurant. They'll smile at you on the way out because they know you paid. And you gave them a nice tip. We understand that. So there's no BPA-laden paper receipts. There's no greasy black books. There's no pens that don't work. You can dispense with all of that. Let's not dispense with this, folks. If you go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com, you can learn how to sign for a premium package with an ad-free version of the Tech Night Owl Live, plus.technightowl.com. John Martellero will be back on the other side. I'm Gene Steinberg. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-880-9752. In clinical trials, the ingredient in superbeta prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This superbeta prostate-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-880-9752. That's 1-800-880-9752. Call 1-800-880-9752. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three-square meal unit sale is just the ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long-grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 
26 serving 3 square meals unit. One case normally $164.37. Sale price at only $138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and 3 square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage, period. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by Verisign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. And on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have John Martellaro telling you how easy it is to use table mates with Apple Pay or just go to McDonald's. I've lost track of McDonald's. It's been years. Yeah, I don't eat there very much myself. But that's one of those places where you can just pay right there at the terminal. You don't have to use Open Table. You don't have to, you know, pay at your table. You can you pay when you buy the food. So that's that's just like Panera Bread. Yeah. Well, Subway has a big special for the month of December, like two dollars for a meatball marinara sandwich. Do they take Apple Pay? Well, I'm looking at Eddie Q's list. And I see um, Panera, Uber, MLB, Disney, uh, um, Target. Wait a minute. Target? Target? No, they're not going to take Apple Pay. Why is that on Eddie's list? I see, I see Starbucks. I see Open Table. I see Sephora. I see Staples. That list is pretty old. That was when they first announced it. So there's probably a whole bunch of stores. I, I, one of my readers said he was... Um, where was he? He was in some place where he was hungry and there wasn't any food nearby and there was a vending machine and the vending machine had the little NFC radiation symbol on there. All he had was a $20 bill in his pocket. The machine wouldn't make change. He was hungry. So he said, well, let's just try my iPhone six. And sure enough, you know, he bought a, some sort of candy bar or peanuts or something for a buck and a quarter and with his iPhone six and Apple pay. And it worked like a charm. And this is a vending machine. They're cropping up all over. Vending machine with Apple Pay. How about that? Wow. Of course, you know, these machines that are set up for NFC have a certain kind of protocol. And they were already configured for the standard, you know, transaction with NFC from perhaps an Android phone. Because there's a certain kind of transaction in electronic format. And so the Apple Pay just uses the same format over NFC. So 
it's, it's sort of like what happened with uh, CVS Pharmacy, where they turned on their NFC terminals and people discovered by accident that Apple Pay worked when CVS realized that that was happening because they had a contract with uh, the merchant exchange group to use currency. They said, oh, no, we can't have that because it violates the contract. So they turned off the NFC part. So I think what's happening, what happened on that vending machine is it wasn't an initiative to explicitly support Apple Pay, but rather it was just using the standardized NFC protocol for transaction and phone work. All right. But at least here, Apple has really put NFC in the mainstream. It always happens with Apple. You know, who used NFC before Apple Pay came around? People kept saying, you know, Apple is being foolish and being stupid. They should have NFC. Suddenly, Apple adds NFC and, oh, my heavens. Well, you know what NFC was useful for before? It was useful for clicking your Android phone against somebody else's Android phone and exchanging information. (laughs) You know, especially when you're hanging around the line in front of the Apple store where people want to buy the new iPhone. Remember those Samsung ads? where they were making fun of the people standing in line for the latest iPhone. Was it the 5S? And there's two geeks are standing out there gloating over their uh, Android phones. And they, they give each other a high five with their phones, clicking them together. And you go, oh, yeah, that's just what I always wanted to do. <laughs> I just wanted to click and clack my phone. I can't imagine having a social life if I don't click my phone. Yeah. Think about that. Just think about how your social life. It's pretty gross. So that's where it goes. Let's move on. All right. You bet. Okay. So obviously the next thing here is to consider in 2015, the Apple watch, how many will Apple sell at the starting gate? And already you're seeing articles saying, well, gee whiz, doesn't look like it's going to do so well. I wrote an article called Why Every Estimate for Apple Watch Sales in 2015 is Completely Wrong. And so, so let me set this up a little bit. There, there is um, a reasonable expectation of extrapolating how many of a specific product Apple is going to sell after there's a little bit of history. You can look at seasonal variations. You can look at statistics. You can look at... Uh, expected cannibalization, um, things like that. And, and for example, you you can kind of suspect how many iPhones Apple's going to sell from quarter to quarter. Uh, you may be off by a few million, but you know you can do statistics and, and get an estimated number and an estimated range of uncertainty. And you know, roll in. You know, the Christmas quarter they're going to sell a whole lot of them, and you know, in the January quarter they're going to sell quite a few, and then. And the quarter ends in, in March 31st. They're probably not going to sell quite as many. Uh, and then, you know, because the rumors of the iPhone 7 will start coming around in the summer, you know, sales are going to fall off. So you've got a, a track record there and, and you can do some some sophisticated math and, and keen hunches. But here with the Apple Watch, they haven't sold any of them yet. And they're not going to sell any of them for months. And so how do you estimate how many that watches Apple watches are going to be sold? You've got to do some extensive surveys of Apple customers. 
You've got to look at the price points. You've got to look at the economy. You've got to look at availability of the Sapphire, what with the GTAT disaster. We've heard rumors lately about Foxconn getting into the Sapphire business to maybe take up some of the slack. And and so, and then there was Angela Aaron's message to the Apple uh, employees we saw a month ago about how it's drifted out into you know spring uh, rather than early. When we say early 2015, we think you know January, early February. But she said spring. It could be up to you know March 21st. So we don't have any idea how many apples going to sell. But you can make some intelligent estimates if you're an experienced analyst and a competent mathematical analyst. So what do I see? I see twenty. I see an estimate of twenty million. Then a couple of days that was from RBC, and then a couple of days later, I see one from Morgan Stanley. It says thirty million. Now notice how round these numbers are. Yeah, anybody who's familiar with mathematical analysis knows that if you apply a, a model, a mathematical model of any kind, you're going to get a number that has a few decimal places just by virtue of the mathematics. Okay. The remedy there, say, you know, you estimate 15.216 million. The remedy there is, is not to claim that you're right on the button, but to fold in an estimate of your error. So all these mathematical methods have uncertainties and you combine the uncertainties mathematically to come up with an error. So if you said that Apple was going to sell 10 million watches in 2015, plus or minus 5 million, that's an affirmation that you're not really very definite because you don't have a track record of, of sales. So the estimate could be as low as 5 million. It could be as high as 15 million. So you give yourself, you know, a Gaussian curve of, of statistics and error estimation. Well, then I saw another one that said 17.8 million and it, that was better. And uh, that he, you know, may, maybe used some math to come up with some good numbers, but he still didn't supply a uh, estimate of the, of the error, plus or minus. So then you look at all these different numbers and you go, you know, they're just doing a wild ass guess. And, and they're trying to look like they know something about how many watches Apple will sell in order to engender confidence in their companies, in their, in their uh, investment bank ability to prognosticate and therefore assure you that you should invest in Apple. Well, the thing about it is that you can take almost any industry analyst estimate and assume it's wrong. And if you do that, you'll probably be closer to the fact. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone knows right now. There have been surveys of people, would you buy an Apple Watch? And then it gets complicated because you then have to say, well, maybe they want to buy an Apple Watch. But really, the product hasn't been advertised. It's just something you saw at a media event. Sure. The next question is here, the starting price is going to be 349 And then they're going to have the more decorative versions, the gold version for, what, a couple of thousand dollars or so. So the big question here is, at this point, will people really want to spend $350 and up, way, way up, to buy one of these things? Well, my the other question is here, too, is that something like this is going to be obsolete every year. You buy a watch, for example, and this is something you can argue with me about in the next segment because we're running out of time. But, you know, you buy a watch and you don't just upgrade it every year or two like you do with a smartphone or something like that, or three or four years with a tablet or five years or so with a Mac. You know, you buy a watch 
It's a piece of fine jewelry. You mm-hmm. might keep it for a few years. But in the case of the Apple Watch, you know that the technology is going to move very, very fast. And you have to decide when do you jump in? When is the technology going to slow down a little bit so you won't be left with something that's obsolete? More I have some thoughts on that for the next segment. I bet you do. John Martellero is going to have those thoughts. I might have a few myself. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G-C-N. Mom, I can't do my math homework. I just don't get it. I hate math. I've always tried to be a good mother, but when it came to Jamie's math, I was at a loss. Then a friend told me about Math Made Easy DVDs. Concepts are simplified in an easy way to follow and review, and students can learn at their own pace in the convenience of home. Listen, in the frustration, call Math Made Easy. Call now, 1-800-USA-MATH. That's 1-800-872-6284. Or visit us at mathmadeeasy.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Thoughts and more thoughts from John Martellero from the Mac Observer. I'm going to look at what he thinks about the potential initial uptake or success of an apple watch and the factors i gave the negative factors the fact that technology is going to move fast will people want to spend a lot of money for a really fine watch knowing it's going to be obsolete very quickly well i think the answer is related to all of the experts uh that apple hired uh in from the uh, fashion and the jewelry industry and i think apple understands that they can't sell a luxury watch and expect people to um, hand it down or sell it or get rid of it after a year. As you said in the previous segment, 
you know, these are fashion items. It's a luxury item. I think that Apple's designing these watches to be very upgradable with the software. And I think the principal updates we're going to see in these watches for a few years are going to be software updates. The reason is, is that the device is very limited. It's tied to iPhone. Um, you have to have an iPhone to use it uh, for most of the major functions. And, and so it's very limited in its battery capacity and it's very limited in its processor speed. And as a result, we're not depending on the CPU power and speed like we do in an iPhone. As a result of that, I don't think Apple's going to be coming out with iWatch 2.0 in the spring of 2016 and upsetting everybody. I think Apple's recognizing the psychology of luxury watch buyers. And when you buy a, one of these, Apple watches with a, say, a sapphire display in a stainless steel case. And I've seen one price estimate for the sapphire one of about 550 or so dollars. You're not going to be very excited about replacing it. So I think Apple understands that mentality. And I, I think it's a, a reach to suggest that Apple's going to be so callous that they're going to come out with a faster processor and try to convince you you need, need a new watch in 2016. So I think that will take care of itself. All right. So your prediction here is that. Apple may introduce a new Apple Watch every other year and have all sorts of upgrades to the existing products with software to keep them going. So you don't feel you're left with something that's out of date. Exactly. Okay, two-year upgrade cycle. Apple Maybe three. Watch. Maybe three. Hmm, that's going to be unusual for Apple. And the me is going to freak. They'll say, Apple isn't introducing Apple Watch. There's not an Apple Watch 2, an Apple Watch 7. They must be having well, problems if you, selling them if you were fairly well off and you decided to buy you know a mid-level luxury watch uh what are some of those brands not something as expensive as a rolex but there's there's some luxury watch brands that are sort of in the middle of the road you know you would spend five or seven hundred dollars on a watch I know I paid 250 for a very good Swiss army watch about five years ago I think that um that Apple recognizes that are people buying these watches uh, the way they would normally buy a regular watch? And if you did buy one of these, so for example, suppose you did spend two or $300 on a really good Swiss Army watch, how long would you expect to keep it? Some people buy a watch and, and have it for five or 10 years. You know, maybe they get the crystal replaced because it's scratched because most of them are mineral glass. You know, if you bought a, a good mid-range watch that is sapphire crystal, for example, and you paid maybe seven or nine hundred dollars for it, you'd expect to keep that watch for twenty years. Uh, for for Apple to try to circumvent that mentality, uh, I, I think would be met with uh, a great resistance. Apple Watch coming next year. Let's see what happens. Let's go into something that came up in a very recent article you did at the Mac Observer, and that is apparently the hit product in the TV space this year, and that's 4K TV Ultra HD. Now, people have been talking about Apple producing a high-resolution TV set, a flat-panel TV set, for a couple of years now, and we don't see the magical, mystical interface. Some suggest that maybe we're going to see that in the Apple TV, and spooped up Apple TV. But what about a TV set? Is Apple ready to come out with a 4K TV? 
I am more and more convinced that Apple's going to build the hardware. And in the article I wrote today, why Apple really has to build its own UHD TV, I, I gave some evidence for app and I, I appealed to the Apple Pay mentality, the Apple Pay experience that Apple really needed to build its own phone. Can you imagine if uh, Apple just supplied, say, the operating system and some other maker, you know, was doing the hardware, Apple really couldn't develop that secure enclave and, and be confident that they could store credit card information securely. It just wouldn't work. You have to integrate the hardware and the software to, to build a product that makes a breakthrough in the user experience like Apple Pay. So I'm getting more and more convinced that Apple's going to have to build its own UHD TV. By the way, 4K is the wrong term. The Standards Association has told everybody to use UHD TV. UHD TV is 3880 cross, whereas a 4K TV, which doesn't really exist, 4K is used by video editors, is 4096 across. And these TVs are not 4096 across, they're 3880 across. So UHD TV is the right term, but just as an aside. The reason I think Apple's going to have to build its own TV is because we know from experience that in order for Apple to create the right kind of user experience, they have to control the hardware. And because there's an encrypted link between the device, whether it's a Roku box or a Google Chromecast or an Apple TV. These guys use HDMI and they use something on HDCP, a high definition copy protection. And there's an encrypted link between the device over HDMI and into the TV video electronics. The only way to seize control of the video picture on the downstream side of the encryption is to make your own TV and then do what you will with the video image after it's been decrypted. Have you ever been watching a movie or a TV show and these little pop-ups keep occurring over and over again that are annoying? Uh, you could blot those out by using sophisticated techniques about what was there before and then, blot and, and then making that area look like what it was and getting rid of all those annoying ads. Or you could do facial recognition, but you have to get on the downstream side again. So there's lots of cool things. And that's just a couple of examples I give. I'm sure Apple has some really cool stuff set up. Uh, you, you could use it for displaying home automation system, for example. Uh, you could be watching a movie on a, four, on a 5K display, and there's a 4K TV show from Netflix in the corner. And around the edges, you could see your home automation information, like, you know, your outdoor lights still on or your garage doors open or something like that. That's all things, sorts of things you can do with manipulating the graphics on the display as an as a augmentation of the actual video stream that's coming in from, you know, Netflix or from DirecTV or Comcast Infinity or something, Xfinity or something like that. So... That's one aspect of it, controlling the user interface. The other aspect of it is that uh, there was a really nice article published at Business Insider today by Jay Yarrow, and he was referring to uh, some comments by Gene Munster from Piper Jaffray Investments um, at their Ignition conference. And Gene Munster has come up with the idea that we don't need to think about being tied to content deals. In the past, we thought that Apple was going to be virtually running its own TV service by having special agreements with the content providers and, and somehow then making the uh, discovery and the viewing experience better. Now what Gene is saying, you know, we don't really need to worry about 
content agreements. Apple TV already has a lot of agreements, and we, we already have a wealth of movies and TV shows available through Apple TV, and those, those contracts can be extended, renewed, or whatever. What, what the deal is is that it's the user experience and the way we operate the TV. You know, have you ever tried to enter a password or do a search on a movie by using that alphabet grid? That's got to go. We have got to go. <laughs> oh, for, no. Oh, no. Oh. We've got to go for a second here. So, we've, so Apple's going to build its own hardware. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is coming back for one more segment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com mike stennerson for midas resources at no time in history have precious metals been more important certainly not in my 22 years in the industry the dollar has lost over 90 percent of its value in the last 60 years no fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses ours is not immune The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it. So decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three-square meal unit sale is just a ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long-grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 126-serving three-square meals unit. One case normally 164.37 sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and Three Square Meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period. 
little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. No, John Martellaro is back. He <laughs> says that Apple's going to have not a smart TV, but a smarter TV. I wonder when people buy all these smart TVs, how many of them actually use the extra features? Well, that's because they're too difficult to use. If it's not something that a person can grasp and see on the screen right away, they're not going to use it. They're not going to read a user's manual, and they're not going to sit down and figure out how to connect their TV to the Internet just so that they can get weather and stuff like that. I mean, it has to be plug-and-play. Everything has to be really obvious on the screen. And and from what I've seen, the TV makers are um, not experts compared to Apple in surfacing that kind of user interface to you. So. I think it's a question of, remember um, Jeff Goldblum's commercial for the iMac? Remember how difficult it was to get on the internet with a PC back in, what was it, 1990, where it took a PhD uh, 30 or 40 minutes to get his PC onto the internet out of the box? And then Jeff Goldblum is uh, voicing over this commercial for the new iMac, beautiful Bondi Blue, you know, plug it in, power, you know, plug it into the internet. There is no step three, you know. Apple does that kind of thing, no matter how complicated the hardware is. Can you imagine what Apple Pay would look like if Microsoft had done it? <laughs> you would be have four hundred ninety-six steps. Yes, that's right. That's right. It took me about ten seconds to activate my default credit card from my Apple ID uh, into the passbook. And there's an enormous amount of technology and sophisticated encryption and tokenization and stuff going on behind the scenes. But the user doesn't need to see that. The user just needs to know it's going to work, and that my credit card company and I are on the same page. So I, I can see that that Apple has a a lot to do when it comes to making the user interface simple. And, and I think Apple Pay was sort of a, of a vision of that. Another thing is, is that Apple TV was a hobby because you had to fight for that HDMI input. Not too many people have an HDMI receiver with multiple inputs where they can select between, you know, a DVR and a Roku and an Apple TV and a Chromecast and say, I want to switch over to HDMI, you know, number two. 
that confuses the hell of a lot of people. They still can't do it for some reason. And I have lots of anecdotal evidence from people about that. It's a shame. There's, there's something to be said for, you know, telling Siri, hey, Siri, I want to watch the DVR. And she goes and finds it, or he. Um, there's, there's something to be said for getting control of that, that video signal on the downwind, downstream decrypted side. And, and there's something to be said for y- using the 5K iMac to develop that technology. You know, we were all waiting for uh, an Apple uh, ultra-high-definition TV, but you got to create content, right? The studios have to be able to manipulate and edit and create 4K content for those 4K screens. What do they need to do that on? Oh, gee, Apple has a 5K iMac that allows you to put a 4K video signal in there and have, uh, you know, your final cut editing tools around the edges. So it looks like somebody at Apple thought, you know, we got to get the chicken and the egg straightened out here. We got to give the studios the tool to create 4K video in an elegant way um, before we start selling our own TV. Doesn't that make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay. Will Apple have a 4K TV or Ultra HD TV? A lot of times they just call it 4K, by the way. You know, they're trying to use the vernacular. Yeah, I know. Technically, it's not quite correct, and you're kind of a technical guy. But that's where it is. Now, of course, the price of so-called Ultra HD TVs or 4K has come down quite a bit. I mean, you can get one from Vizio. And Vizio makes a respectable TV set, very well-reviewed. And their sets are coming in at below $1,000 now. Yeah, I've seen that. So So it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to say that Apple could, uh, you know, have Sharp or somebody build for them a 4K panel and have an A8X or A9 processor in there, Uh, have their Tcon 40 gigahertz timing controller, driving the whole thing, flat screen, probably. I don't think there's much momentum behind these curvy screens. Nobody I know likes them. Samsung comes out with these dumb ideas, like, hey, let's come out with a curved (laughs) screen. Well, the problem with the curved screen, as you know, is it's got a radius of curvature. And only if you're sitting at the radius of the curvature is the, all parts of the screen equidistant from your eyes. If you sit far back, then you're outside the radius of the curvature and it's not equidistant from you. So you're going to have some sort of uncomfortable visual effects. So I've looked at curved screens and they're crazy annoying. And I saw a 4K 65-inch Sony at Best Buy. And it's like looking through window glass at reality. You, th- you think it's reality on the inside. You're looking through a window. It's awesome. And when you look through a window to outside to a beautiful sunset, you don't have a curved window. Maybe some people do in their houses, but you, know, you look through window glass, it's flat. And, and that's the effect you want to achieve. You know, the reality that you're looking through a magical flat surface to something almost real on the other side. So I don't think Apple would do a curved screen. The point you have to realize here is that 4K TV looks great. You stand up in front of it at the Best Buy store. You're 10 feet away in the bedroom. I can still see a set that's 55 inches or less. I can still see it. I can look at a 4K display from 10 feet away in a 1090. I can see the difference. And I think a lot of people can. It's just, there's just something about it. It's, it's, It's not just the retina effect. It's not just the fact that, you know, the pixels sink into below your eyes of the ability to, uh, resolve. I think there's more, uh, optical effect going on there for some reason. Anyway, back to the price. I think that with a 4K panel and Apple's custom hardware and software and, and a first-class design 
Christmas of 2015, Apple can sell this thing for $2,000. Now, I know a lot of people, that's, that's expensive, but you know, when the plasmas first became widely available, people were paying uh, $2,000 for their, for their plasmas back in 2007 when they became realistically affordable. Um, if you're going to buy a TV every 10 years, $2,000 is not too much to spend, although we'd like to see it, you know, $17.99 or something like that. So a 55 inch Apple ultra high definition television. All right. $17.99. I think they could do that too. Right. That's not so bad because if you look at where the prices are, yes, you have models below a thousand dollars, but the premium sets are still 1500, 2000, 2500. That makes sense. And Apple can come out with maybe three or four types. But this isn't something you'd sell at an Apple store, which is really not built for big box stuff. It'd have to go to the Best Buy or the Costco or one of those stores. But you know what? We're just about out of time, so we can't answer that question. Oh, I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe next time. But I'm interested. I'm going to talk to Vizio about getting a P-Series set here just to see. And Apple's going to send me a 5K 27-inch iMac very soon. And I'll tell you what I think of a Retina iMac. I didn't think I'd like it. We're going to see what happens. I'm still a skeptic. John Martellaro, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I'm Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And you can check out our premium ad-free package of the Tech Night Owl Live at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the show. It was a pleasure. See you next time, Gene. Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. 
Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com, we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original $99 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, and other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non-GMO, MSG-free, and vegetarian. Most are gluten, soy, and nut-free. Call 541-229-0010 today. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low, cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in Oregon. Remember, only $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com. Call 541-229-0010. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 541-229-0010. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Let me first remind you, listeners, that we have our new premium service called Tech Night Owl Plus. That's Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. And what you'll get there if you sign up is an ad-free version of the radio show, higher resolution content, so it even sounds better. Plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. You say that five times backwards, you'll have a lot of trouble. We have Rob Pegarero. The rights for USA Today and Yahoo Tech and lots of other places. And I was thinking here, because right after Thanksgiving, we should talk about tech gear for Christmas giving. And then I was thinking, I'm writing an article about what's going to happen with Apple TV. And so I asked before we started this episode, Rob, what's happening with Apple TV? And your response was? It's just kind of there. You know, the same design has been around for a while. Apple keeps adding channels, all of which seem to be completely random. Less random than others. Beast Music, reasonably popular and showing our iCloud photo library. 
but the interface for managing these hasn't gotten much better. Uh, you have to, it's not what I thought it would be at this point, given that I guess the, the version 2.0 launched, it's been like four years now. Well, the last update was done two years ago when they went from 720p to 1080p. So you get I'm thinking like actual pictures. shape size of the box when it went from, you know, expensive to tiny and $99. Right, right. Okay, you're thinking of the major update. Yeah. And the only change that has happened in the user interface is it's more like iOS 8-ish, okay? That's about it. So yeah. flat is in, fluffy is out or something like that. They add channels, as you say, at random. But if you look at the breadth of content, it still emphasizes iTunes, whereas a Roku, it's got 1,800 different channels. Of course, you have to add most of them manually, but still. Yeah. To me, the most frustrating thing about buying a media streamer is having to get into these whose side are you on discussions. So you look at the Apple TV, obviously, it's not going to support the Google Play Store. But also Amazon, kind of a big known video, they're not supported either. If you look at the Nexus player from Google, which I would say don't, I've tried it, it's not that good. Again, Amazon's not there. Um, on the other hand, if you wanted to get a Chromecast, you know, in theory, that works with everything, but wait, suppose you want to, this is really all about Amazon, isn't it? If you want to watch Amazon cast that from your mobile device, you can do that from the Amazon app for iOS. You can't for Android because it doesn't exist unless you're using a Kindle Fire, in which case, then you, you lose out on the bulk of the Android ecosystem. You with us so far, listeners, because you can get dizzy over this. Go ahead, please. We should have a flowchart of this somewhere online. Certainly anything in iTunes is uh, difficult to stream out to another device. Uh, Roku itself has its own hang-up that it's not very well suited for playing stuff right off your computer. You've got to add the Plex channel and work with that. Apple TV does that very well, as long as, of course, you're using iTunes, which, you know, my brother can't stand the app. I, real, I recognize it's not for everyone. Uh, and then, of course, the odds are any new TV or Blu-ray player you buy is going to have a bunch of apps of its own. That's probably your best bet of getting access to all the major services um, if, for whatever reason, you, you don't want to buy a Roku. Of course, I should add some TVs have Roku built in as well, so it gets more complicated still. Well, those are cheap TVs so far. None of the major mid-priced or high-tier yeah, TV TCL makers have is doing the Roku TVs, right? I think that's it. Got to check my notes. But yeah, not many. You know, most smart or connected TV interfaces or whatever the, the manufacturer thinks is cool. So Sony has their version of a UI. Uh, Samsung has got another. You know, the one interesting development is LG, which is doing TVs with a WebOS interface. Yes, as in the former Palm OS. Yes, that, of course, it gives it something different, and that's a decent interface. But the point being here, when you want streaming, is it for much more than Netflix, really? Doesn't Netflix just own that space so much? Pretty much. You know, I think Netflix and Hulu Plus, if you have those two, you're in really good shape. Amazon, are you interested in some of the shows that Amazon has exclusive to itself? I'm kind of a fan of betas. I like that startup humor. But of course, my wife and I have Amazon Prime, so we're already locked into that as well. You know, it's, it's one, I use that word again, ecosystem or another. All right, but the problem with all of them is the same. You have all these extra channels, and I know Roku allows you to search across them, but you don't have that promise pretty much with the other services. But Roku having 1,800 channels, you better be able to search across them. But doesn't that kind of make the purpose of a streamer kind of unsuccessful? It kind of goes against the purpose, because if you make it complicated, 
suddenly it's harder to watch the content you want, not easier. At least with your satellite or cable TV, you've got one interface, one set of channels. It's often one it. bad interface. Or if you get, for example, TiVo. I know DirecTV is offering now yet another DVR with TiVo. Took them long enough to do that. All right. And then I know at one time they were supposed to put TiVo into Cox and some other DVRs, but that never happened. That went on for a long time. And yeah, RCN bought into the, the TiVo concept pretty early on. A lot of others have not. And, and TiVo has actually had a little bit better luck with Comcast of all people. You know, they were going to do this big deal to have TiVo become the Comcast DVR in some way or as a step up option. And what instead has happened is Comcast is now seems to be doing a pretty good job of supporting TiVo to the extent that they offer video on demand to TiVo owners, which used to be something that was not supposed to be possible with a cable card device like that. You know, I was just looking at something here. As you were talking, I brought up the specs for DirecTV and TiVo. And they're pushing TiVo right now. Enjoy the best of DirecTV with the features you love from TiVo, except for the ability to connect up to eight TVs wirelessly to one HD DVR to put all those extra shows at a time, five shows at once, watch two channels at once with picture-in-picture. All these extra features of the Genie DirecTV box are not in TiVo. All you get is TiVo. Yep. All right, yeah, it's I, a mess. The, the granted, whole granted that the interface on TiVo is better than DirecTV offers, but you give up all the other stuff and all the convenience. And still, look, if you just want to schedule a show or tap a few buttons and have it give you a season pass, they all do that now, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know. You're kind of talking to the wrong guy to a certain extent because... You know, my wife and I haven't subscribed to pay TV in like five years now. But yeah, the overall state of the uh, multi channel interface is not what it should be. And I just got to point again to the fact that you can't just go out and buy any random device. It's not an open market. You know, if, if you had no choice but to buy your smartphone from the carrier, and each carrier only carried product from two companies tops, you'd have a pretty terrible smartphone business. Okay, so what is Apple going to do with Apple TV? They've let the darn thing languish. Correct me if I'm wrong, Roku sells more than any other company when it comes to a streamer. I would expect. I mean, they've been around for a while. They've been working at the product. They fixed a lot of the things that bothered me. They, they finally ended the mysterious absence of YouTube. I guess that was at the end of last year. Uh, you know, the, the Roku stick makes it about as compact as possible to add to your TV. Uh, their competition, it's its not Google. Uh, I'm thinking really it's, you know, is what you get on a new connected or smart TV or Blu-ray player, is that going to be good enough? Because for a lot of people, I think it will be. You know, if you've got Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu, and yeah, you can't search across all of them, although WebOS and LG TVs is supposed to allow that, could be good enough. You know, not that it might not be improved upon, but when you have to add another device and then you're switching inputs all over again, that's kind of a discouragement. Oh, well. So 
We heard, of course, in the authorized biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson that they discovered this magical interface is going to, you know, <laughs> solve all the problems. That. Let's pursue that in a second. Okay, magical. Rob Figueroa is here. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The knowledge of the ancients, tried and true, trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Rob Pegarero is here, and we're talking about what's going to happen with Apple TV and what about the magical interface that Steve Jobs boasted about. Now, was he just playing a game here? I almost thought that maybe he thought he was spooking the competition. Maybe you know, he was trying to have some sport from beyond the grave with all the analysts who've been predicting an Apple TV ever since. I don't know. Um, I can certainly imagine that Jobs would look at what comes out of the average cable box and say, this sucks. We can do better than that. Come on. And have somebody come up with something out of the lab. But what is Apple going to do about that? Are they going to somehow get every cable operator in America to hand over control of the customer experience to Apple? No, I think they should. <laughs> Apple would do a better job than most of the lot. Then negotiate separate deals with satellite because cable card doesn't work with satellite. Doesn't seem likely. Are they going to make something that only works with over-the-air TV? Um, no, that really limits your market. I don't see how you can solve that problem. And I think that's why we have not seen an Apple TV beyond the Apple TV we have. Well, what about the interface? Forget about the content for a moment. Let's assume the content's the same. And you get maybe more apps from different premium cable companies. Okay? What about the interface? Because the more channels you add, the more complex the interface. And that's what subscription TV companies don't get. You know, adding 50 channels to a Twitter channel package doesn't make it 25% better. It may make it worse when the UI can't deal with that, you know, the extra information overload it throws at the user. The cognitive load, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, I don't know. You know, a search interface is one way to do it. You want to make it easy to browse. You want to have related channels grouped next to each other. So you could say, what's playing in the area of sports? You know, a stupid channel grid that lists five channels at a time, not going to work, even though that's what a lot of multi-channel operators seem to think is good enough. You know, you should certainly have a UI that's designed for HD, not have something that defaults to SD. Otherwise, I don't know. You know, TVs are, they're big screens. They got a lot of room. You could do a lot more with them than, than stick with an interface that is rooted in a 20 inch, you know, standard definition CRT. But the also issue involved here is the integration of devices. That has to be a pretty big issue, but it's never really considered. I mean, when you have a TV set, it's not just the TV set. Maybe you have the game console and maybe you have the Blu-ray player and then you have the streamer. 
And then maybe you have one of these sound bases or sound bars. Sound bar. Right. Well, they have both. You know, there's a sound base like a Z-Box is a sound base. And then we have the sound bar. And you have all these devices. And now you take the remote control. How do you integrate all that? Even if you have a so-called universal remote like a Logitech Harmony, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a game that you have to play to get all those devices to turn on because each one has a sensor somewhere else. And so the best way to do it with our Logitech Harmony is to walk a few feet away from the TV, point it in the general direction where everything appears to be within the radius of the signal, and then you turn on and have maybe an 80% chance that all devices will come on the first time without clicking help. That sounds elegant. Isn't that so elegant? (laughs) So the question is, that's a problem. Because once we add more than the basic TV set, we have to confront this dilemma of how to integrate all those devices. That's a real big problem. You can't assume everybody is going to have just one device anymore. Yeah, you got me. There's, you know, something like there's something called HDMI CEC, which is supposed to tell when you turn on the TV, it's supposed to talk to the sound bar. And I guess the Blu-ray player over the HDMI cable connecting them all. Hey, I'm awake. You should be awake too. turn on and shutting off one turns off everything else. In practice, yeah, I don't know. I, I just had to sort of redo those pairings, and it's still not really reliable. I think the easiest way to consistently get the TV to turn on is, you know, make sure somebody like you or me who wastes too many brain cells on this subject is in the room so somebody can then pick up the remote, press the buttons in the right sequence, and get everything working. Or there's a reason why a lot of people just stick with the TV, no sound bar. Um, I guess if you get a TV with a built-in Blu-ray player, it's got built-in obsolescence, but Hey, that's a little simpler. Yeah. How do you integrate that? And what does Apple do as a solution? Is that one of the solutions they're talking about? Not just having a prettier interface. It is how to integrate these devices because they can't assume it's going to be one. It would be the height of ego to think that you're going to get an Apple TV and hook it up and use that for all your content, assuming Apple makes a deal with your cable or satellite provider. Don't see it happening. Um, you know, there's just such a diversity of hardware out there and that's, you know, not really Apple's thing. You know, a Mac works fine in theory with a bunch of different printers, although mine seems to forget it's on Wi-Fi every couple of weeks. No, that's just not one of the things that Apple does particularly well. And when companies, even when they, they try to do it, remember Google TV, it was great. As long as you, I guess, connected it with the dish network DVR and everything. Google worked. what? <laughs> exactly. This was like, what, 2010 that came out? Yeah, it's, it's an area where if you could rewrite history, it would be nice to have Apple come in and lend some smarts to this category. I do not see that happening. And um, yeah, the analysts can go on predicting an Apple TV, but barring a fundamental rewrite of the TV business, I'm not seeing it happening. But will Apple take an intermediary step at this point to do something? What about embracing 4K? or Ultra HD. And the reason I bring that up is because supposedly people are starting to buy them this holiday season because you've got cheaper sets. You've got Vizio and other sets that are below $1,000 with pretty decent quality. So that means that it makes sense to buy a 4K set. And Apple is obviously pushing video editors because they've got the iMac 5K 
that we're going to get to review from Apple in a day or two from now. Oh, they, exciting. Isn't that exciting? And, and of course, the point being here, though, is that this is the only area where the TV industry has a hope of pushing a new technology. 3D went nowhere. 4K, you know, we understand there's not much content. We understand you really need a big set to see most of the advantages of 4K over standard high definition. But shouldn't Apple be considering something in that range? Should there be a 4K Apple TV? There is supposedly the start of 4K Netflix now. Uh, I'm going to say no. And not just because Apple should probably make a 4K monitor before they get into the 4K TV business. 4K TV, the problem there is most people don't have the bandwidth for it. Uh, cable is not rushing to add 4K channels. Uh, I don't see how it does any better than 3D, in, not in the sense of not ever getting into living rooms, because a lot of 3D sets were sold, but, it, but in terms of being something that people watch all the time. The content sources aren't really there. The bandwidth to get them into your house isn't there. And for a lot of people, you know, the problem isn't, it's not the TV that's at fault. It's your room's fault because you can't sit close enough to the TV or fit a big enough TV in. And it's your stupid eyeball's fault for not being able to see all these wonderful pixels from the couch. I don't believe in paying for resolution you can't see. And this is not just true of TVs. You know, I dislike the Nexus 6 because it wastes all this resolution that I can't perceive. I don't want to pay for pixels that are invisible to me. Well, I'll have a 5K computer. In front of me, 27-inch iMac that I will compare with a standard 27-inch iMac and tell you how much better it seems. Well, that should be a reasonable difference. I mean, right here I'm sitting, um, I can't quite reach this ruler, I tell you, but I'm thinking I'm maybe 18 inches from the uh, screen of my, my iMac. And yeah, I can see the constituent pixels. That's a real difference. I don't watch the TV from that distance. Um, you know, my phone, I don't hold any closer than 10 inches. If I hold it much closer than that, I start to have issues. I have to close one eye to see it clearly. So, again, it's what can I actually see that makes a difference? And for me, the answer is not <laughs> not in a 4K set, not on one that I can fit in my living room. I think it's 60 inches or over. That's a sweet yeah. spot with 4K. I think that's the honest answer. And, of course, the problem is a lot of the cheap 4K sets out there are more like 42 or 46 inches. Which, you know, could be great for showing still photos, doing a slideshow where people are gathering up close. But for actually, you know, watching TV, (laughs) I remain unsold. And you'll notice when they set up 4K TVs in many stores, they use still pictures. Yep. Well, that's just like a, you know, I've been going to the Consumer Electronics Show, I'm sorry, the International CES, since 1998. And when HD TVs were first going around, the the key thing to show off would be, you know, these slow pans over city skylines and close-ups of food, stuff like that, where there's not a lot of action. You don't need to unnecessarily advertise the slow response time and refresh rate of the screen. Uh, my favorite rigged 4K demo is, <laughs> you know... Let's the, hold that thought, what the favorite yes. rigged 4K demo is in a moment. With Rob Pegarero, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Do good people ever want to call an attorney just to find out if they're right or wrong? 
But every time you think about calling an attorney, what are you forced to think about first? Money. If you could call as often as you wanted and talk as long as you need without a bill, would you call? Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the hosts you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, riddle me this. What is your favorite 4K demo, Rob Pegarero? It's It's a use case we all experience, isn't it? So you set up one TV, it's a crummy 1080p screen, maybe 50 inches. To its left, you have the nice 4K screen, also 50, 55 inches. And what do you put on both of them? A close-up of fine print from a newspaper. Because clearly, that's what we all (laughs) want to watch on TV. I'll tell you what, I stop at still pictures. I don't watch still pictures on my TV set. I guess, you know, my son sends something on Facebook and I want to bring it up from itunes or something i don't know and you know it's it's true that when you stand up close yeah you can totally read the stock tables on the 4k tv i'm sorry nobody does stock tables box scores on the 4k tv and and not on the 1080p set when you step back to an actual normal viewing distance you can't read either of these things well that's a big waste but then again we get back to apple tv i think apple would want to do that because that's where technology is going and they want to show they're keeping up with that and they're doing all sorts of new things. So I think they want 4K and they'll make Apple TV have 4K. But whether any of that takes advantage of a better interface or adding more channels or making it more effective, I don't know. Because I don't think Apple wants to just give it up. Yeah, my vote would be for Apple work on the Apple TV interface because that's changed least of all and that needs some help. And, you know, maybe the selection of content because it really is kind of random what is on there and what is not on there. Apple TV, where is it going to go? Is it going to have the magical 
mystical user interface. We've had you on a lot of times talking about none other than net neutrality. And then President Obama gets involved saying he thinks that ISPs, the broadband providers, should go under Title II, which makes them public utilities, right? Well, no, because public utilities suggest they're a regulated monopoly and that they have to get permission to, you know, utility can't just build a new power plant. Uh, And under no one's concept of net neutrality is Comcast or Verizon going to ask permission to run, you know, new fiber to a community. Uh, The idea is more in terms of just basically going back to the foundations of telecom law, which is that if you run a phone company, you're a common carrier. If I am calling from a Verizon phone and you're on an AT&T phone, the call goes through. There shouldn't be any worry about that. That's the very definition of, I think, how most people think communication services work. Um, The issue, why we don't regulate ISPs like this, it goes back to the late 90s, early 2000s. There were line sharing requirements in effect on telephone companies, which meant that if you were a DSL provider and had a high tolerance for pain, you could then go to Verizon and say, hey, I want to put my equipment in your central office and rent out your copper lines to provide DSL over that. And Verizon had to do it. And there were any number of ways it could and did sandbag DSL, competing DSL providers, but they had to do it. Cable didn't want to have any part of that. And so they got themselves reclassified as an information service, which maybe the only ISP I've really heard of that would actually meet the book definition of an information service, where it's not just the communications link, but all these services bundled in with it. Email, a web portal, um, you know, a bunch of proprietary stuff you can't get to elsewhere is dial-up AOL. Other than that, you ask anyone, what do you use their ISP for? They're not going to say, oh, I signed up for Comcast because they have a great email service. Or I love Verizon's pop-only email service with, you know, no two-step verification or any of the other things you get with Gmail or, or my client, Yahoo, Yahoo Mail. No, they say, I bought the, I, I pay Comcast to get me online. And so if you put it that way, people would say, yeah, it's a communication service, not an information service. Now, there are lots of reasons why you might not want that if you are a Comcast or a Verizon. The big thing being many of the people who like the idea of going back to Title II will say, look, this lets you get real net neutrality principles that are backed up in law that's been around since 1934. It will stamp in court when Verizon inevitably sues, which they'd love to do. But you could also use that to reimpose line sharing. And I mean, I talked to one guy who runs an actual competitive local internet provider, Sonic.net, in Sonoma County in California. And yeah, I mean, he's he's been he's been able to hang on in DSL because you know he can, in fact, rent that last mile of copper. He would like to negotiate line sharing deals with other providers. He's had other providers reselling his DSL. Um, and he says, you know, if you want to fix this, the fix is not regulation, but competition. So in that sense, you could have the good scenario to some, the nightmare scenario to others, is you use Title II to require line sharing. So Comcast has to wholesale its bandwidth to somebody else. And then you have no net neutrality regulations, because if you don't like what Comcast does, you sign up for brand X internet provider that also has access to Comcast and doesn't tinker with your connection and prioritize some services, not others, the way Comcast does. I don't think Comcast would like that. Well, this is the thing, too. We've got somebody who's head of the FCC who worked as a lobbyist in the cable industry. Now, 
this incestuous relationship between lobbying and private industry and government is nothing new. But okay, we've got that guy there. He can't possibly have any incentive to do something that would work against the cable TV interest with that background. He may uh, say he disagree. does, but you know. Let me let me explain to you why I don't buy that thesis. First of all, it's true. Yes, Tom Wheeler was uh, head of NCTA, the cable uh, National Cable and Telecommunications Association. Prior to that, he headed up CTIA, the Wireless Industry Trade Group. But you know, if you assume he's just looking for the biggest buck, well, why not go out and run a trade association for internet companies? They could probably pay pretty well too. I don't think that explains it alone. I mean, I've also heard Wheeler speak a number of times on these things. I know the people he's hired. Um, I, I should note the uh, press secretary for the FCC, Kim Hart, is an old friend of mine from the Post. We used to sit at adjacent cubicles. So I, I don't buy the thesis that, oh, the fix is in. Wheeler got hired just to hand over the whole mess to cable and telecom. I don't know that he's totally bought into the administration's idea of how to fix this. He doesn't have to. The FCC is an independent agency, although, you know, presidents get to name a majority of the FCC for a reason. <laughs> they don't expect the FCC to totally ignore them. So, yeah. You know, the uh, what really sort of struck me was uh, at this policy conference in D.C. in January, Wheeler was relating how his wife was complaining about how bad Netflix was in their Verizon connection. And she said, as he related, she said, you're head of the FCC. Fix this. So I think he is aware of this. He, he does not see the current situation as being a great state of affairs, which is what, you know, Comcast and Verizon would like us to believe. You know, you can say, how do we fix this? What's the best way to go about it? But to say that, you know, because this guy used to work for X, he's obviously opposed to Y, I don't buy it. Well, there's a reason for suspicion. But then the viewpoint they were coming up with, which would be there would be no allowance on the part of your ISP to throttle performance. They couldn't do it. You have to give this equal access, but then they'll sell premium spots to like a Netflix. So it's like, we're all equal, but some are more equal than others. That policy doesn't make much sense to me. Well, there's so many different ways. You know, the the version of net neutrality regulations we had until January when they got thrown out because Verizon sued were pretty lenient, actually. They, they said wireless, I'm going to try to remember all the different caveats and loopholes, wireless internet providers could not block content, but they could impede other content. They could favor others. They just had to be transparent about it. Wired providers could not block or or slow down traffic, but I think they were allowed to do paid prioritization. So I'm, I'm going to have to sort of check the last time I wrote about that. And you could say, well, is it okay if you sell somebody for faster access? Um, what about something, the interesting case that's come up more recently, T-Mobile. They have this music freedom deal where they launched saying, if you use any of these five services, we don't count your bandwidth. It doesn't kind of get your bandwidth cap. Well, that's the same thing of going to an ISP that has a TV connection on, a cable TV connection, and you buy their TV service. There's no bandwidth on that content. So right. it's the same thing as what they're offering there. We're going to try to figure this out in our next segment, net neutrality, all people being equal, but some people being more equal than others, whatever the conflict is. Got Rob Pegarero joining us to try to sort things out. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <music> 
first game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your your youthful vitality and experience your body.
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're trying to sort out net neutrality. I'm Gene Steinberg with Rob Pegarero, and he's explored this for a long time, and we're trying to make sense of it all. So I was reading the other day a statement from Netflix. Now, supposedly Netflix is paying Verizon and maybe Comcast for this fast lane. But when you actually look at the statement from Netflix, they say, no, we're not paying for proprietorization. We're paying to have our servers moved into their data centers, basically to get a direct connection, not a faster connection, a direct connection. What? Yeah, I mean, that's that's another case where, you know, is it an issue if Netflix puts its own hardware for free? in the ISP's data center to sort of streamline the connection. You know, you could say, hey, Netflix is spending, and this this is something that was talked about a little bit, I guess right after Comcast and Netflix inked their deal, this interconnection deal, where people said, hey, if Netflix is spending money either way, either to put their Netflix appliance in the ISP data center or to just directly pay Comcast, who really cares? The other part is this stuff is also opaque. And that's what had people very annoyed. People like me, as a Verizon subscriber who spent a lot of time looking at Netflix buffering six months ago, who is to blame? I don't know. I certainly know I was not amused when Verizon would spend all its time pleading that it was the victim here. And, oh, it's so unfair that Netflix is dragging our good name into the mud. Come on, just fix the problem. I don't care how you got to fix it. Uh, the other interesting example I was bringing up is this T-Mobile Music Freedom deal, where T-Mobile said... If you use these five popular music services, is now I think 10 or 15, we don't count them against your quota. The interesting thing there is T-Mobile said, we're not charging these services for it either. So is it a net neutrality foul if the company doing the prioritization, or in this case, you know, zero rating that particular service, doesn't charge the companies involved? If T-Mobile says, it also let people vote on which services to add. I, I haven't seen the balloting. I don't know if it was tallied by Price Waterhouse or whatever, but we'll take them at their word. How does that work? And in that case, in T-Mobile's case at least, I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt because there's actual competition. If you don't like T-Mobile, in most parts of the U.S., you can fire them and go with somebody else. You could go with one of the wireless carriers that compete with them directly, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint. You could go with one of the MVNO, Mobile Virtual Network Operators, reselling the bandwidth of the big four. You have a lot of options. If you don't like Comcast, tough. You have no other option most of the time. I'm lucky I can choose between Comcast and Verizon. All right. At this point, I don't know how we're ever going to sort this out with net neutrality and all the permutations and all the ramifications. I just would like to see more competition when it comes to ISPs. Because right now, say, for example, I live near Phoenix. 
I have Cox where I can get, well, right where I live, 150 megabits, but in some parts of Phoenix, a gigabit. Okay. So I guess it'll come here eventually. We have CenturyLink, which is using DSL, where I get 40. But if I want more, they've got some kind of channel bonding thing where they hook up two phone lines and they use hardware that crosses them together and allows you to get double that speed up to 80. Yeah. Which I guess the last gasp of DSL. You can do better than that. This company, Sonic.net, I mentioned, they're doing 20 or 40 megabits per second DSL. You have to be close enough to the central office so a lot of people can't get it. But you can make DSL a lot faster. But given that, you know, that whole market has kind of been choked off, you know, the end of line sharing certainly didn't help that. If you're Verizon, they basically decided a while back, we'll sell finance where we can, where we can't. They'd actually inked a deal to suggest that those people looking for a faster connection go to Comcast. Yeah, there's a difference between what is possible and what companies decide they actually want to do. But they don't make it easy for another company to set up shop because they've got to go through an expensive laying of lines if there's no line sharing they have to lay their own cables i mean if they had fiber for everybody then i guess they supposedly could lease out their fiber lines and then other companies can offer different products and services this is an important thing to remember we have local phone and cable monopolies because we decided that was a good idea you know and then the 20s 30s whatever said hey american telephone and telegraph wants to extend phone service we'll make them a regulated monopoly cable came around and, you know, you look at it, if, if you've got to run this connection to every home in town, probably easier to do it just once. But at the time, people were thinking, well, this is TV. And they didn't think this will beat this is TV now. It will become your phone line as well, your source for all kinds of other video, your connection to the Internet, your connection to the rest of the world. Would you run it as a regulated monopoly in that case? Maybe not. So confusing. Yep. What is your opinion? What do you think the solution should be? Well, I think right now I would say it's probably easier to have strict net neutrality rules, but very, you know, let's not go crazy with the complexity. We're trying to stop worst case situations. I think in a lot of cases, the problem is more of what might be done. And that is less a problem for making things bad for current services, but more in terms of if you're a venture capitalist, Fred Wilson, the guy at the Union Square Ventures has written about this a lot. Do you want to invest in an internet content startup when its whole ability to put together a viable business model depends on not being held back or charged extra by ISPs? So I think to the extent that you can forestall things that aren't happening right now, that's good. I think in the long run, competition is a better fix, but I don't know. (laughs) Getting Title II seems like such a heavy lift. Going beyond that to mandate line sharing seems like it'd be a lot harder. You know, maybe if you offered people a trade, hey, you can have the net neutrality rules or, you know, you're going to have to wholesale your, your connections to other people and then you can do whatever you want. That would be a fun conversation to have. But I may be the first person to suggest, hey, column A or column B, what do you want to do? Well, I was thinking here, if you're going to charge for faster service on the part of a content provider, and the argument is, well, the startup company doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of users, is not going to be able to compete against Netflix, which can buy programming wholesale. But if you're only charging the provider by the amount of bandwidth they use, does it really matter? I mean, if you're a large company, you pay more because you're sending more data through the pipes. If you're a tiny startup, you pay less because you're not. So either way, you can get maximum speed 
But if you're only paying for what you use, what's the problem? Well, that's not how the internet runs in general. I mean, you know, we just pay for this connection because a lot of stuff, it's not worth the time to meter it. You know, how much bandwidth do we use when I sync Evernote? Yes, but that's not the point. The point is for the fast lane. If you're going to provide normal service for everybody at whatever speed they pay for, which is never really achieved, and then you're going to go allow a Netflix or some other company to get a fast lane, if you're going to provide a fast lane, that has to be metered or based on the estimated number of users. Oh, that so you're way, saying that the... That uh, way it becomes fair for the small company because the small company is using less. Okay, so if you're going to do a fast lane system, you have to have mandated bandwidth. I see where you're coming from. Uh, I suspect the same people in big telecom saying, leave us alone, are not going to be gung-ho for that either. Because in, in essence, this comes down to a conversation where Comcast and Verizon are saying, trust us. We won't abuse your discretion. Comcast can at least say they have to. That was part of their deal with buying NBC Universal. Okay, let's go past that in our next segment. We have Rob Pegarero with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com, we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original $99 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, and other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non GMO, MSG-free, and vegetarian. Most are gluten, soy, and nut-free. Call 541-229-0010 today. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low, cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in Oregon. Remember, only $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com. Call 541-229-0010. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 541-229-0010. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So alone among everyone, Comcast says, yes, we support net neutrality. Of course, they had to to get NBC. Rob Pegarero, tell us more. Yeah, when they were looking to buy NBC Universal, get that whole big transaction done, they signed on to a bunch of net neutrality conditions. And before that, remember back in 2007, what's the most highest profile violation of net neutrality? Comcast, who got caught blocking BitTorrent, which I should note has a lot of legitimate uses. If you've ever downloaded Open Office or a distribution of Linux, you probably saw a BitTorrent option to speed your download for yourself and for others. And the FCC, I don't think they even fined him. They just sanctioned him. And Comcast was so mad about it, they sued to defend their good name, which resulted in one set of net neutrality rules getting toppled. The next set of rules got toppled by Verizon due to another lawsuit. But I digress. Anyways, uh, you know, Comcast net neutrality conviction, they're such believers in it. I hope they're sincere, but let's not forget the history here. You know, if, if it had been Verizon buying NBC Universal, they could have run the exact same ads. Obviously, hypocrisy there. But the other question here is now Comcast wants to take over Time Warner Cable. And do you think that deal, first of all, is going to be approved? And number two, is that going to entail more commitments with regard to net neutrality? With net neutrality, no, because Comcast has already said straight up, we're going to extend the same conditions to it. Okay, maybe you could say that the FCC would say, we'll let you buy Time Warner, but you have to agree to line sharing. You must wholesale your bandwidth. That would be, if they did that, I'd be impressed. I don't know if Comcast would take that deal or not, because that would upend the whole industry. And that would, you know, you want to open up uh, internet competition all at once. That would be one way to do it. (laughs) I don't know. I just haven't seen that discussed. And that seems so far out there. Uh, I'm interested here also in AT&T, which wants to buy DirecTV. Right. Now. 
after President Obama's statement about net neutrality, AT&T CEO comes out and says, we want this to be clarified. And then, you know, it's kind of this double talk. We are or aren't going to stop our current expansion projects, especially gigabit internet. And then, no, we didn't mean it quite that way. <sighs> What's going on there? Yeah. PR tip for, for you know, the telecom giants of, of corporate America. If you don't want people to think that you're these manipulative, unfeeling behemoths, don't, don't act go like around one. saying stuff that amounts to really nice bandwidth you got there. Be ashamed if something happens to it. Uh, yeah. Threatening to like pull back on this advertised expansion of massive broadband, uh, gigabit fiber, whatever they're doing. Uh, no, that's not how you win a debate. Uh, AT&T buying DirecTV, that's interesting to me because, you know, they are taking out a competitor. AT&T has TV through its Uber service. You know, it's not as bad in terms of reducing competition as, I don't know, like AT&T buying T-Mobile. That, that deserved to get kicked to the curb, and it did. And we're all better off for it. Yeah, with, with TV, you know, the best defense I've heard for Comcast buying Time Warner Cable is, you know, you want to stop price hikes in TV. You actually need to give more bargaining power to the TV providers. Otherwise, they can get, you know, strung up by sports networks looking to collect their, their extra dime, uh, HBO, the broadcast networks, you name it. Fox right now has a dispute with Dish Network of where they, they threaten to pull the service. But you're saying if we have a larger TV provider being DirecTV and AT&T, then they have the power to come back to the network and say, do you want to really lose our audience? You really want right. to do this? But remember, the, the company that in theory is going to play the heavy and, and go to bat for you is also one that's already collecting like 30 or 40% profit margins. If you look at, you know, a quarterly earnings statement from a Comcast or whoever. And also, let's remember who has a, a large share in pretty much every regional sports network around. The local cable company, they all want to get into this business. Time Warner, Cablevision, they've all done this. But then they sign these huge RSN deals that are going to stick 2 3 or $5 a month onto everyone's cable bills. Even if, I guess the most outrageous one is the uh, Dodgers Regional Sports Network in L.A., which a lot of companies aren't carrying yet because it's so expensive. And, um, and you know, what if... What if you're a Giants fan living in L.A. and you suddenly have to you subscribe to Time Warner? You have to pay an extra five dollars a month to underwrite the team you hate. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, know, you could fix that with a la carte cable. That's another worry. If, if the FCC really wanted to think out of the box, they could say you can buy Time Warner, but you have to allow a la carte buying of cable channels. You know, how, how many uh, heads would explode in Comcast headquarters in Philly? I don't know. Well, you know what? Right now, the tears sometimes make no sense. I think if you're going to have tiers, you categorize them. It's not like, all right, we understand premium because it's an extra charge. But right now you may get a basic cable with a selection of entertainment channels, a selection of news channels. And then you get the next tier, which has another selection of both. And wouldn't you really do better if you had, all right, a basic, simple, cheap service with locals and maybe a few other stations, and then news, all the news stations in one package, all the sports stations other than the premium sports in one package, all the entertainment in one package, or subdivide them any way you want, but isn't that easier 
to package it the way it is now. Like, for example, my wife likes to watch Clue on DirecTV. But you have to get a higher cost package if she wants to have it. That may have channels she has no reason to have. And it's not quite a la carte, but maybe dividing it in a more sensible way would be an intermediary step. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do it. I mean, remember, cable companies, they're they're perfectly, this is not like analog cable where they had to, it was all or nothing. They can bill by the channel if they want. This is not a technical problem. And really, if, if you wanted people to sort of forget how much they're paying, then make sure that there's one neighbor can't compare their costs with another neighbor because no one's actually watching the same thing. That would be a marvelous way to muddy the waters completely. Well, that's very confusing right there of pricing. I mean, you take two people who are subscribing to cable TV, satellite, the same company, the same wireless carrier, and they think they have the same product. They have the same package. But if you look at their bills, they're paying very different rates. They might have incentive charges, uh, incentive credits. They might have loyalty credits. So you threaten to leave. They say, well, what? We'll give you $20 a month for the next six-month credit to keep your business. So how many people, if you put them together in the same room with the same service, are really paying the same thing? Right. And then there's all the... Uh, this was something I had fun writing about in USA Today several weeks ago. A guy tweeted to me, hey, Comcast is charging me $2.99 to quit their service. I'm like, really? And he sent me a picture of it. I asked Comcast. They said, well, he shouldn't have been charged that. We do charge this fee if you downgrade your service over the phone. And I said, okay, are these fees documented anywhere on your site? They're not. You know, you go to any bank in America, they've got a whole list of fees on one page. A lot of cable satellite TV companies, actually satellite's better than cable in this respect. A lot of cable companies, no. You have to call, or maybe it's in this piece of paper they sent you when you signed up, which you, of course, can no longer find. It's the sort of lack of transparency, learning about charges when they land on your bill. People don't like that. Well, I have a situation here where I was told I was eligible for a faster service with CenturyLink. I have a very cheap rate with CenturyLink, so I keep it. If I want to go to Cox and get faster speeds, I have to pay more. So, okay, that's fine. So I'm now told I have a faster speed available. So I call them up. How do I get it? And they tell me, and then suddenly the rate is twice as much as it is now. I'm getting 40 megabits for one rate. I want to go to 60, which is not that much more. I have to pay over twice as much. And I say, why is that? That doesn't make sense. And they Hmm. said, well, there's no loyalty credit for that particular package because there is no loyalty credit we can't give you any discount. This is what you have to pay. And I said, well, I guess I'm not going to upgrade then. It's crazy. Oh, yes. We have the crazy Rob Pegarero with us trying to sort it out. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors. Head on over to a2hosting.com 
That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-880-9752. In clinical trials, the ingredient in Super Beta Prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This Super Beta Prostate free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-880-9752. That's 1-800-880-9752. Call 1-800-880-9752. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence course to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Right. 
Rob Peguerero is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, trying to sort through the crazy morass of price structures. And I sometimes wonder is if having all these crazy price structures makes it more expensive to deliver the service because nobody can figure out what's what. Because often you have to talk to several people to get a proper rate. Sort of more like buying a car than uh, <laughs> buying a simple telecom service. Buying a car is just as crazy, of course, because everybody you talk to has a different price for the car. And the real price is what the finance guy or gal mm-hmm. sets for you when you go in there and sign on the dotted line. Whatever price the salesperson gives you, even if the general manager gives you that price, as soon as you go to finance, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we continue? What else do we got? What else do we got? All right. So let's just, we haven't discussed this, you and I don't think. And that is, we know next year there's going to be a Windows 10 up from 8.1. Does Microsoft finally get it with regard to operating systems? I know there are a lot of reasons given for increasing the number. Not having a Windows 9, but a Windows 10. Is it because of the Mm -hmm. Windows 9s in the 90s? that confuse matters uh you know they got to have a new way of uh numbering or lettering scheme for their their operating systems every few years we went from windows 95 windows 98 windows 98 second edition windows me windows 2000 windows xp xp windows vista windows 7 windows 8 why not change it up again sure also the stench of windows 8 has to count for something yeah, I, I don't know. Windows 8, they, they, they meant well, uh, not, <laughs> you know, didn't seem quite as much of a mess as Windows Vista in terms of being less likely to blow up your computer when you installed it. You know, it's just the kind of operating system that nobody wanted to use. It had nothing to do with blowing up anything. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, with, I think the biggest thing that's going to make Windows 10 more of a success than Windows 8 is we've had a whole other four years now for touchscreens to become a standard component in windows and when you when windows 8 came around i mean i put it on a thinkpad that had no touchscreen and it was pretty terrible <laughs> but you know yeah if i've been able to use that that metro the modern screen with the big tiles and operate it by touch that does work better with touch than with a mouse or a little touchpad pointing stick on a laptop is that is that a success now? Are the convertible notebooks Windows successful? I don't think so. Not that successful. I don't know. People I've talked to seem to like them. I mean, I've I've looked at some. I'm, you know, I need to buy a new laptop at some point. And the uh, the MacBook Air is clearly in between models. The Lenovo Yoga, that kind of intrigues me. I mean, that's so much lighter and you know more compact and better battery life than the first convertible tablets were and that's a category where apple has decided it's just not interesting to them and you know partially this is me saying this i'm a technology writer i need to have a windows laptop i cannot pretend this other operating system doesn't exist and the windows laptop i have is getting old okay so for that Maybe you need that particular model. But okay, so the big thing with Windows 10 is you have a proper start menu, yep. which is basically going back to the past with a more modern interface. They're trying to improve the multitasking situation in the tiled interface. Yep. There are virtual desktops, kind of like Apple Spaces and what they have in the Linux world. But so far, I'm not seeing anything that's a wow feature. Oh, we got the start menu back. Is that worth it? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, what's the last time there was a WoW feature in, in OS ten? Uh, I mean, continuity is nice, but you know, you need to have an iPhone. You need to have your be all in in the Apple uh, universe. It's sort of like when people give Apple a lot of grief for, where's your new iPad? What have you done to WoW us lately? Look, the technology business is maturing. Well, we can't expect that we have the toaster oven this time from Apple. Right. I I don't want an Apple toaster oven. I'd probably be very picky about what I could put in it. Right. It's going to restrict that, like the iPod trial right now. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to ask you about that before we go on. So we have this kind of this iPod trial that's going on and it's all about tying the iTunes and the content and everything to the iPod. So you couldn't get content from another service. Real networks tried and Apple played a game with them back and forth. And finally DRM was removed from the music. So it didn't matter, but it's like a trial of something that happened once ago, once a time ago, that's no longer relevant. I mean, right now, you don't have those restrictions because music right. is DRM free. So why do we have a trial now? Why do we care about something that happened a number of years ago? We're past it, aren't we? The wheels of justice turn slowly. I mean, this is a case where it makes no difference to any consumer welfare. Um, you know, this is more companies battling against each other. And, you know, obviously the lawyers involved will take their cut. It's, it's interesting to see this coming out now. I, I need to check if I can find my reader email from that period to see if anybody reported this issue to me. I'd like to think I would have jumped all over it. Uh, I thought at the time, on the one hand, you know, real networks did not have a good music service. Why would I want to shop at their store? I would not. Uh, but Apple acting all sanctimonious and come on, we're talking about moving files from one thing to another. Don't act like this is some, you know, intense infosec issue that threatens the integrity of your whole system. That was Steve Jobs. Right. Like, get a grip. You know, this is my device. And, you know, I bought the iPod. You should be a lot less interested in what I do with it. Also, if you know your music service is so much better than right. Real Networks, yeah, they, they were, what do you care? Okay, you want to use Real Networks? Be my guest. Go use Real Networks. Now, because of DRM, the content is not going to be compatible with your content from iTunes. All right, fine. Do what you want. Your problem. Yep. Yeah, it was ridiculous at the time, and, and it's it's fun going through a little trip down memory lane to read the uh, read these the, this coverage of the trial now. now. Of course, we're hearing the testimony that Steve Jobs gave months before he died. So from beyond the grave, we learn his reaction to this, and of course, it's going to be outrageous because Steve Jobs is nothing if not outrageous in what he says. Yeah, well, if you read, you know, anyone who's read the Walter Isaacson biography would know that, you know, yeah, nice guy to have designing your products. Maybe you don't want to work for him so much. It seems like that could have been a whole lot of work. Well, he wanted to yell at you and have you yell at him. In fact, that was a big thing that I learned from more and more studying Steve Jobs, that he expected you to yell at him if you really believed in what you said and what you were trying to convince him of. It's not a question of just walking up to him and having him say, this is dumb, leave me alone. It is, no, it is not dumb, sir. In all due respect, this is why I believe it's true. And you yell at him for a few minutes. He yells back. You shake hands. And if he thinks the deal is sensible, he'll go with it. If he doesn't, 
End of story. Rob Pegarero, please tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do with or without the yelling. Uh, I try not to yell myself. I don't type in all caps. You can find me writing about tech policy issues at Yahoo Tech. That's yahoo.com slash tech. Usually every Tuesday, sometimes a little more often than that. Uh, for USA Today, I write a consumer Q&A column. That's every Sunday at usatoday.com slash tech. You can also find me at sites like The Wirecutter and VentureBeat and who knows where I'll show up next. And I'm on Twitter at, at Rob Pegarero. All right. You can find us, by the way, on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter and look for Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. And if you sign up for our premium service, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, you get an ad-free version of the Tech Night Owl Live, higher resolution copy. The audio sounds nicer. Rob Pegarero sounds clearer. Here you go. Very well. Oh, yeah. And we want to tell you about the other radio show we have called The Paracast at Paracast.com. This weekend, we'll be talking to Peter Robbins, author of a book in seven parts that's free called Deliberate Deception, A Case of Disinformation in the UFO Research Community. All that on The Paracast. And here on the Tech Night Out Live, Rob Pegarero. Thanks for joining us on the show. You're welcome. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.